Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Well, God, we thank you for today. I thank you that you, as that song just said, you are our ever-present help in trouble. So we will not fear. We thank you for being amongst us this morning. We thank you for being with this church. For the last few decades that it's been in existence, Father, we thank you that you've always been at the helm. Father, I pray that as we continue to move forward, that we keep our eyes fixed on you. Because you are the reason that we're here. You are the reason we sing the praises that we sing, the songs that we sing. You speak to us through your word. And Father, I pray that you speak to us now. Father, I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart, Father. And that you impress upon us a message you want us to hear this morning. And as we go about our day, that we keep our eyes always fixed on you. I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, it is great to, uh, to be here uh, this morning as uh, the installation service. It's, uh, it's kind of a, a wonderful thing. So thank you, uh, pastors. Thank you, parish council. Thank you, church. It's really an exciting thing to be here this morning as we look ahead at the future of our church. You know, as I look back, I was kind of thinking about this this past few weeks. Uh, the first memory I really had of Christ Church was 18 years ago coming in uh, to Wilson Hall, which was really our sanctuary at the time, and coming in for the first time and walking in the back left door and seeing, uh, we were uh, at college, so of course we were late at the time, but coming in, the music had already started. And something about it was amazing. It was so exciting. I thought, man, this is what church really needs to be. The music was going. People were standing. People were singing. The entire service was full of joy. Always remember that. Always remember that day. That's what I would love to see our church always be like as people come in. Hopefully, if you are new, you feel that presence as well. Then I was asked to, uh, a few uh, weeks later... Uh, my wife asked if I wanted to help out in the youth group. I uh, thought Deb was very pretty at the time, and I thought, hey, I can spend some more time with Deb, so sure, I'll help out in youth group. I didn't even know what a youth pastor was. I thought it was just a young pastor, but I thought, hey, if Deb's going to be there, I'll go too. We did that, and there, we had a wonderful time as in youth group. So many lives changed. Doug and Robbie and Jamie, still doing that. Lives changed here. Young lives changed. I always remember all the events we did, when the barn, which is now on the other side of the church, was right here, right where we're uh, sitting and standing today, youth group there, and all the wonderful memories there. I think the, the, the highlight of that was uh, the game we played at our Harvest Fest. It was not bobbing for apples, we did bobbing for goldfish, live goldfish, till some of the students swallowed the goldfish, and we thought we should stop that game. <laughs> A lot of memories. I... Uh, the church actually uh, gave me my first car as well. First car came from Christ Church. It was a 1983 uh, light blue uh, Monte Carlo. Uh, it was like driving around a ping pong table and a tank all in the same. It had two doors and it uh, seated up to ten. Uh, five in the front, five in the back. Deb and I also had the first wedding reception here at Christ Church. Not the first wedding, but the first wedding reception. And I remember... Asking Don Wilson, who Wilson Hall is named after in our marital counseling, we said, Don, is there any rules or regulations to having a reception here at Christ Church? He said, no, we've never had one, but we're excited to have one. 
Now, if you want to have a reception here at Christ Church, there's about a 45-page manual that you need to uh, look through and sign and initial uh, each of the top uh, page. Silver Ink Thing. Many of you know I was part of Silver Ink Thing, a sexual abstinence program that, while started in Yuma, really birthed really right out of here at Christ Church. Remember having the first Silver Ring Thing right here in the barn, right where this where we're sitting today. So many students showed up, the fire marshal also showed up, threatened to shut us down. It's nice to know that since that time, the Silver Ring Thing has had a, over 1,000 events. 650,000 kids have come. Over 130,000 have given their lives to Christ. Started right out of here at Christ Church. In fact, the, the cameras that you see right now is donated, we thank you, from Silver Ring Thing. A ministry that we support. Christ Church is also my family. Deb and I at one point uh, had an issue where we got robbed at Geneva College. I told that story a few times. And we didn't have money to uh, put a down payment on a new apartment that we needed to get out of because it was unsafe. And we came into Christ Church as we were working here and found an envelope in my mailbox. And it had the exact amount for the first and last month's payment. Never would have guessed. Meals that were provided to us when our kids were born. So many memories. Now I'm here, standing here as the rector and senior pastor. It's been interesting, too, the past few weeks. There's been a lot of folks that I've known, uh, that have known me for a while. I've asked, Jared, are you surprised? You must be surprised that you're now standing there as the senior pastor for all these years. I, uh, it was interesting. I ran into a young, she's not young anymore, a girl from my, uh, my youth group days. She was uh, one of the students. She came up to me this week. I almost didn't recognize her. And she's now in ministry herself, and she was, uh, she was so proud. She said, Jared, would you, have ever, would you have ever have thought, you must be so surprised after all these years, you would be the next senior pastor. And I, I originally told her, and I've been telling other people, yeah, I am surprised. It's, it's quite an honor. I'm shocked. I guess I never would have thought that. But after I told her that, after I said, yeah, I am surprised, I drove home, and I started thinking, you know, I don't think I'm as surprised as I originally thought I was. It's not an arrogancy thing. It's not an arrogancy thing to think that God was going to use me. You see, Deb and I have always been, uh, lived our lives knowing that if we are willing and open to be used by God, that great things are going to happen, not because of us, but because we keep our eyes fixed on him and we're willing to be used in any way, shape, or form. We know that about our own lives as well as many other people that we know. I bet you've asked any one of these pastors, they would say the same. We understand our gifts, understand being willing to be used by God. Great things are going to happen. Wonderful things are going to happen. So we've come to expect that. That's why I love uh, this morning as we look at Hebrews chapter 12. It's really a verse that has spoken to me for many, many years of my life especially in ministry. It's in your service sheets. I encourage you to turn this. in the back of your service sheets. It's Hebrews chapter 12. You see, you have to understand, I know that I'm not here by random chance. I didn't, I didn't win some grand prize to be the senior pastor. I did not earn something to be here, the senior pastor. I'm here because God has put me here. I have simply said yes and accepted the call. And because of that, I understand that I need to keep my eyes fixed on him. And this passage speaks volume to my life. And I hope it's going to speak volumes to you as well. 
as we move together forward as a church. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, what I love about this verse, what I love about this passage, it speaks volumes to us of how we are to live our lives, of how I've been striving to live my life. My encouragement is for you to live your life the same. As we look at this passage, it's the way we all should live, the inspiration we should have, the preparation we require, the determination we need, and the consideration we are to give as we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. First, the inspiration. It says in verse 1 there, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... You know, we're all creatures of motivation, of of inspiration. We all have looked to people in our lives and have been inspired by them. I I would love to to be like them, or I would love to look like them, or I'd love to be able to do what they do. As we come into the new year, a lot of folks I know are are, uh, thinking about, man, I need to get more in shape. And so they'll go and maybe buy some kind of DVD of a workout, uh, you know, a workout routine. When people go and buy those workout routines, they're not looking for the cover of some person to be grossly overweight eating fast food. Athletes are not looking for inspiration from the, the, from the, from the other athlete that worked really hard but maybe never made the team. People in music don't look to people who say, man, I want to be just like that person, completely and utterly tone deaf. Nobody does that. We look for inspiration with people around us. I've been inspired by many people in my life. John Guest is one of them, very clearly. Still am, still will be, forever will be. That's why I love the fact that he's going to be around. Love the fact that he's still going to be just as involved as he has been. Why? Because I'm inspired by him, motivated by him. The idea of always sharing the gospel, his key line is go for it, go for it. Always go for the gospel, point to the gospel. There's been others. Don Wilson, who Wilson Hall was named after. I'm inspired by him and how he did counseling, his direct route. His very upfront and direct route of counseling. I've been inspired by my, my many professors throughout my life. Pastor Jamie would know a professor, Byron Batar, who prayed so fervently. And I thought, man, I would love to pray like Byron. Other professors, other family members. I have one grandfather, three uncles, four other cousins who are also in ministry, inspired by them. As we look here at this verse, we have inspiration. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, one of the great inspirations is the heroes from the past. And they're all listed in Hebrews chapter 11, just the chapter before. It says in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then it goes through verse 4 through 31 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Rahab. Then it goes on in verse 32. What more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and all the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and ministered justice and gained what was promised and shut the mouth of lions 
quench the fury of the flames and escape the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That's the inspiration. Now, many would say that these witnesses are kind of in arena in heaven looking down on us, watching our every move. And let me encourage you that they are examples, not onlookers. They provide us with inspiration. We are not to impress them like a sports team. They aren't looking down on us. Because heaven wouldn't be heaven if they were watching how we lived our own lives. In fact, our emphasis is us looking at them. Inspired by them. These are ordinary people used for extraordinary purposes. If you look at that list, you think of Moses. Moses wasn't anybody great. He was an ordinary guy that God used for extraordinary reasons. He even had a, a tough past. He murdered somebody. You think of David. David became a great leader. Why? Because he was first good with using a rock. You think of Gideon, a doubter. Think of Rahab, a prostitute. All these people had tough pasts, but yet God used them for mighty, mighty purposes. They were the inspiration. But notice, they all did something, didn't they? They all had faith. They all moved based on that faith. You know, a lot of us, I think, in the Christian life think we are, we are Christians, and now we are, quote, resting in Christ. And so we just kind of sit by and idly by and let the world kind of pass us over and we say well we we have assurance of salvation these folks were victorious because they moved james 2:17 faith without works is dead so my question for you is are you being used for god maybe as ordinary as you think you are god has extraordinary purposes for you so are you being used for god Are you inspiring anybody around you? The inspiration. Inspiration alone is insufficient. We now have the preparation, don't we? The preparation, number two. Look at verse one. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, there was a story of an Olympic medalist years and years ago who won uh, the uh, 100-yard dash and who was invited to come to America and uh, compete in kind of a, a friendly race. And he didn't even make it to the qualifying round. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't get to the next round. And afterwards, they, they interview him and they said, why didn't you make it to the next round? You won the 100 meters in the, in the, uh, the Olympics. And he said, well, I gained a few pounds in the offseason. I wasn't as fast as I originally was. Let us throw off everything that hinders, it says here. The weight weighs us down. You look at that guy and you think, there's, you know... It wasn't like he was living a a terrible life to gain a few pounds. But yet, that was enough. See, the problem is not the weight, but what it does to us. There's a lot of things that hinder us in life from being used. Some of us, it's our work. It's our hobbies. Some of us, it's about, hey, well, listen, we just want to get money and provide for our family. All those things are wonderful things. But when it involves the fact that you put those things first, it becomes a hindrance. Say, I don't have time for church. I don't have time for using my gifts. For the Jews, it was really holding on to the legalism that they had, whom this book was written. See, they, they, would, they would come and, and praise out of, out of ritual. They think they were trying to feel some duty. Many of us come to church because we're trying to feel some duty, like we're earning something. Those are hindrances. Even more hindrances, sin. It says, in the sin that so easily entangles There's many sins that we have that we need to put away. 
habits that we have. Some of us are doubting. Some of us feel so guilty about our past that we think God could never use us. Let me tell you, if we all looked at our past and thought, you know what, since I've had sin in my past, I can't speak about sin, I wouldn't be up here, John wouldn't be up here, Jamie wouldn't be up here, Barry, all of the pastors wouldn't be up here. We understand that God's wiped us clean. But preparation we need to have. If we're going to go for it, if we're going to be used by Christ, we need to put away all those things so we can use fully, be, full, be fully used by him. So the question I have for you, are there things in your life keeping you from following Jesus? A sinful habit, a doubt. Maybe you're comparing yourself to others. So we have inspiration, we have preparation. Then we have the determination. It says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Running with perseverance, we keep going despite what's going on. I, there was a couple in my office this week who was going through a terrible time financially. And they said, Jared, we're just, we want to give up. We've been praying, but I think we're going to stop praying. We think that we're just going to end the marriage, end our time here at the church. And I think, you can't give up. You've got to keep going. And I read to them James 1, 2 through 4. It says, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I said, you can't give up. You've got to persevere. You've got to move through that. You're going to be more mature on the other side of this if you stay together, if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. We've got to run with perseverance. Not only do we have to run with perseverance, is we've got to run with the race marked out for us. These are the four words in this passage that speaks volumes to myself, to you, to the pastors, everybody here. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Marked out for us. It would be tragic if the writer of Hebrews just said, let us run with perseverance. The race. Because if that were the case, we would constantly be comparing ourselves to others. We would constantly feel like we've never done enough, we've never been good enough, we've, there's always other people doing more than we are, other people are in different positions we are, they have different gifts than we do, we'd be jealous. We'd be comparing ourselves to others. This race is different. It's a different kind of race. It's one marked out for us. I am the senior pastor of Christ Church because this is the race marked out for me. I, uh, one of the books I love was, it's called The Great Human Race. It was written by one of my doctoral professors. Interestingly enough, I didn't realize he was my professor uh, until I got to class. And so we had to read this book and write a report about it and then show up at class and, and give it to him. And I kind of gave it a, a bad review. And then I showed up and I realized, oh, the author is my professor. There we go. That's terrific. Interestingly enough, that was the only time I got to be in my doctoral work. But uh, anyway, it was New Larson, and he wrote, he wrote a book called The Great Human Race. And I shared this with the parish council and the staff just within the last month. And he says of the race marked out for us, he says, There were still lepers who were not cleansed, cripples who couldn't walk, blind people who couldn't see. There were still many who had not believed. And yet Jesus could say at the end of his life on earth, I have finished the work thou hast given me to do. And on the cross, he says, it is finished. How could he make such declarations when there was still work to be done? Notice, Jesus didn't say all the work was done. He simply said, as a person, 
He has done the work that God the Father had given him to do with the earthly life. That's all I can do. I can't win the world. I can't finish everything in a day. I don't think there's been a day in my life when I went away from the office, the author said, or finished something up in the evening and felt like I was all done, all caught up. Not many people have that luxury. Certainly not a doctor, not a homemaker, not somebody who cares about witnessing or using their gifts for God. And yet Jesus could say, I finished the work you gave me to do. He was running his race. He wasn't running everywhere in the world. He wasn't doing what God, he was doing what God wanted him to do. He was faithful to where he was in his world, your world, my world. The people you know, the places you go. I can be faithful there. I therefore can run the race God set before me. Paul echoed this to Timothy. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. There were still places Paul wanted to go. Wished he would have go, evangelized, more letters he could have written. But he knew that such was not God's plan. Paul had finished the course. He had laid, God had laid out for him. And that was enough, the author says. That's all God asks. I don't have to be Billy Graham. I don't have to win the city overnight. I don't have to stack myself up against somebody whom I know is better than me. The day I stop comparing with others is the day I stop feeling lustful when another church is more successful or proud when ours beats theirs or theirs beats ours. The goal of life is simply to be faithful to Christ and do what he wants me to do do for you to do what he wants you to do your race is not my race my race is not your race my race is not john guest's race my race is not pastor jamie's race my race is not barry mariana's race these folks are perfectly designed to be in the ministry exactly where they are pastor jamie is hi the the best family pastor I know, Pastor Barry, wonderful at counseling and pastoral care. I've never met somebody like Bob Mason who, could, who has a passion for small groups. Or Doug Rary who has a passion for high school students. Robbie who's been here for so long working with the middle school students. Ed Glover on the north side with Urban Impact. I cannot do what they do. But my race isn't their race. Their race isn't my race. My race is set before me. And because of that, I don't have to compare myself to anybody else. There's a little boy named Adam who wanted to be like his friend Bobby. Adam loved the way Bobby walked and talked. Bobby wanted to be like Charlie. Something about Charlie's stride intrigued him. Charlie, on the hand, was impressed with Danny. Charlie wanted to look and sound like Danny. Danny, of all things, had a hero as well. He wanted to be just like Adam. So Adam was intimidating Bobby, who was intimidating Charlie, who was intimidating Danny, who was intimidating Adam. Turns out all Adam, Adam had to do was be himself. We all strive to be like somebody else. We all look for others as gifts. But in reality, all we have to do is be ourselves. Church, that's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is understand the gifts that you've been given. Understand the race marked out for you. And be willing and be open to be used by God. You have the motivation there, the inspiration there, the preparation you need, and the determination to keep going, to persevere. No matter how hard it is. Because you know God has exactly where he wants you to be. And I know that from my own life as well. And finally, the consideration. The consideration. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Some of us are so preoccupied with ourselves or maybe preoccupied with people around us and feel kind of bad that maybe I don't have their gifts. 
my encouragement is we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. Why? Because he's the perfect example. The pioneer, perfecter of faith. Some people think, I could never do that. I could never do what Jared does. I could never do what, what they do up here in the choir. I could never do that. My encouragement is, is that we keep our eyes focused on him. Why? Because he's the same God that inspired the people from long ago. 1 Corinthians 10, for, for our ancestors all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Jesus Christ. Oh, church, that should bring us such joy, knowing that the same God who inspired the people from the past, that used ordinary people for extraordinary things, is the same God today. And while there are wonderful examples, he is the perfect example. Why? Because he carried it to completion. He was at the end, was able to say, I finished the work that you've given me to do. That's my prayer for my own life. That I can say, I finished the work, God, that you've given me to do. You've called me to be the rector and senior pastor. I have bent to your will, God. I've accepted the call. And I finished everything you've given me to do. As John Walton comes and prepares us as we are going to take part in communion together, one of the wonderful things about coming together as a church is we're going to come together and remember Christ and what he did for us on the cross as we keep our eyes fixed on him. But a few questions I leave you with. First off, are you in the race? Are you in the race? Entry is by faith in Jesus Christ. The question is, is do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? Have you ever submitted to his will in your own life? Are you in the race? Second one, are you running in the right direction? Some of us have so many things in our life that we're so preoccupied with. Our hobbies, ourselves, our our work, raising our family. That we forget that we're really here to be used by God. Are you running in the right direction? Thirdly, will anybody take any encouragement from you? Will anybody look at you and go, man, I'm so inspired by John, Chris, so inspired. So inspired by what they did, how they've lived their life, the faith that they had. Parents, will your kids look at you and go, man, mom and dad, they went through a hardship, financial struggles, but boy, they stuck together. They persevered. They're closer now than they ever have been before. Maybe the money's not there, but the love is. What will your kids say about you? Will anybody take encouragement from running beside you? And the number four, are you focusing your eyes on Jesus? You keep your eyes fixed on him. Looking for opportunities to be used by him. That's what I've done. Looking for opportunities to be used by him. Notice that Jesus said he he ran for the joy set before him. The the prize that we are to run as Christians is not heaven. If we already know and love the Lord as our Savior, heaven's already there. We run for the joy of glorifying him, of praising his name, of saying, you know what, God? I'm an ordinary person. Use me for extraordinary things. Many this week have been telling me, and maybe many of you will tell me today, congratulations. Congratulations. And I got to tell you, I'm so grateful, so honored to be here, 
So honored to lead, lead this church because I love this church. We've been here for so long. I love you. And I'm so happy to be here. But to be honest, when I think of congratulations, I think of winning something. And I know some of the things that I'm going to need to tackle as a senior pastor. I'm not sure I won anything. But I didn't earn it either. I didn't win it. I didn't earn it. I simply said, God, use me. This is where you want me to be. I know that you're going to empower me to do it. So I will not fear. I will not be anxious. I understand the call in my life, the race marked out for me. And because of that, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on him. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for our church. We keep our eyes fixed on him. It was once said, use your uniqueness to take great risks for God. The only mistake is not risk-making one. He has lavished you with great abilities in this life and a promise for the next. Go out on a limb. He won't let you fall. Take a big risk by using your gifts to serve him. He won't let you fail. He invites you and me to dream of the day. When we feel his hand on our shoulder, his eyes on our face, when he says, well done, by good and faithful servant. That's my prayer for my own life. And that's my prayer for you as well. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for today. Thank you for the fact that you've uniquely designed a race for us. Father, help us to be bold and courageous, to be used by you, Father, despite our past, despite what's going on around us, Father, that we understand that you can use us, ordinary people for extraordinary things, Father. Help us to not fear that. Oh, Father, we thank you for the gifts you've given each and every one of us. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for guiding it. I thank you for all the exciting things that are are coming up here at Christ Church of Go Found, Father, because we know that you are guiding us. So, Father, I pray, as I always do, that your will is done in our lives and not our own. I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.